Amen. Well, turning there to the portion of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 12, and we're going to read from verse 6 of the chapter. 1 Samuel chapter 12, and beginning our reading at verse 6. And Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did to you and to your fathers. When Jacob was come into Egypt and your fathers cried unto the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron which brought forth your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the, the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the host of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. And they cried unto the Lord and said, We have sinned, because we have forsaken the Lord, and have served Balaam and Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, and we will serve thee. And the Lord sent Zerubbabel and Bedan and Jephthah and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and ye dwelt safe. And when ye saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, ye said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore behold the king whom ye have chosen and whom ye have desired, and behold, the Lord hath set a king over you. If ye will fear the Lord, and serve him, and obey his voice, and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. But if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you, as it was against your fathers." Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain, that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking you a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not, for we have added unto all our sins this evil, to ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then uh, should ye go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye ha shall be consumed, both ye and your king. I want to look at uh, the 
verse 23 there. These are the words of Samuel. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Now, the prophet Samuel here is addressing the children of Israel. Um, the Saul has been crowned the first king of uh, Israel. Uh, the people had asked for the king. Uh, God had, in uh, grace, allowed them to have the king. And now Samuel really is addressing them for the last time. Really, we're uh, beholding and reading about a passing of an era, the times of the judges, the time of God's direct rule over the children of Israel is passing. And now there is a new era coming, the time of the kings. And we think of how the uh, prophet Samuel speaks to the people. He uh, is very clear. He is very forthright in what he says. He tells them that they have sinned in asking a king, in that they have turned their backs upon the Lord. Verse 20 says, And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And he uh, speaks to them about the, the wickedness that they have done, but he assures them in verse 22 that the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. And then he also assures them of the fact that he will continue to pray for them in the words of our text. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Now, prayer is a great privilege of the people of God, but it's more than a privilege because it is part of our warfare. It is part of what we are to do. We are told in the Scriptures to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It is the duty of God's people to carry the word of God to the whosoever will, uh, to the highways and to the byways, and to bring the word of God to our neighbors, to our loved ones, to our friends, and to all who would listen. But I want you to realize that prayer is a vital part of evangelism. Now, I know that you will um, understand that, know that, and yet in many ways we tend to forget the importance of prayer. We know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and it is the Holy Spirit that convinces men of sin and righteousness and judgment. And I know that that's something that's in our hearts. And yet at times I think that we forget about the vital nature of prayer in the winning of the lost. We're not going to see men and women brought to Christ, and we're not going to see our loved ones and our neighbors uh, brought into the place where they hear the Word of God unless the Spirit of God begins to move them. And the only way that the Holy Spirit will move them is, is an answer to prayer. And God says, I, I Ask, and it shall be given you, seek, and ye shall find knock and the door shall be opened unto you. And here we find uh, Samuel interceding for the people. He's interceding uh, in order that the Lord will uh, be gracious to them in the midst of their sin. And that's what we have come to do tonight. 
We are coming to pray as part of our evangelism. We come to pray for our neighbors. We come to pray for our land. We come to pray for those around us that God will have mercy, that God will not deal with us after our sins, nor reward us according to our iniquities, but that as the heavens are high above the earth, so would his mercy be towards them that fear him. We are intercessors tonight. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon often would take people down into the bottom of the Metropolitan Tabernacle. I think that the place still exists today. I've been down in that after the fires and things. I think the basement is still the same as it was in Spurgeon's day. But he would often open the doors and show visitors what he called the powerhouse of his ministry. And that was, as he preached, there were people there in the rooms underneath the main auditorium praying that God, in his mercy, would save precious souls. And, of course, it is the powerhouse of the church. And we need to pray. We need to pray that God would have mercy upon souls. And we need to pray particularly coming up to the services, pray during the services, pray after the services, that God in his mercy would speak to hearts. The saint that Robert Murray McShane wrote uh, to his church in Dundee during his last illness. And this is what he said. He said, you have hindered God's work by your want of prayer. When God gives grace to souls, It is an answer to the prayers of his children. When God puts it into the hearts of his children to pray, it is certain that he's going to pour down his spiritual abundance. The salvation of those around you depends upon your asking. I often think it's strange that ever we should be in heaven and so many in hell through our soul-destroying carelessness. Plead and wrestle with God, showing him that the cause of his own, and that it is all for his own glory, to arise and have mercy upon Zion. And you can see how straight he was. He says, you have hindered God's work by your want of prayer. Well, I want us just to see the desire that Samuel had for the place of prayer. And we need a great concert of prayer ascended up into heaven in these days. And I want us just to see the way that we can pray in an effective manner as we look at this portion of Scripture. And the first thing I think that we need if we're going to pray aright is the right belief. And the first thing that we need as far as a right belief is concerned is uh, belief in the basic gospel doctrines. Do you believe that the Lord Jesus meant it when he said that ye must be born again. Now, once again, I I will say that all of you do. We all do. Perhaps you're feeling insulted that I would ask you, do you believe that uh, it's necessary for people to be born again to get into heaven? And God's people do profess that and say that. Very often, until their own loved ones get involved, And you know, I have told you the story, I think, before of the comedian, old-time comedian W.C. Fields. And 
He wasn't a very religious man. But somebody came in one day and they found him reading the Bible. And they were very surprised to see W.C. Fields reading the Bible. So they asked him what he was doing. And he said, well, he says, uh, leafing through the Bible, he says, I'm looking for loopholes. I'm looking for loopholes. And you know, he was uh, being a comic, and there is uh, uh, an amusing side to that. But on the other hand, I think that's probably what he was doing. And that's what many people do, look for loopholes. And even God's people can fall into the trap of looking for loopholes. You know, we can think about our own loved ones, and we can think about those that have gone on before. And if they're not saved and they've never made a profession of faith, it's very likely that even God's people will begin to wonder and begin to make loopholes for those that are lost. I remember going to a house and the man's wife was not saved and we were doing a mission and I spoke uh, to the man's wife and the evangelist that was with me spoke to her and the man who professed to be saved sent her out of the room and then he um, uh, got mad with us because we were speaking to his wife because his wife was a lady and his wife was a lady but she wasn't saved and the man thought that because she was a lady that she was okay that there was some exception for her but there isn't an exception we need to remember that there is a heaven and there's a hell and that those that perish outside of Christ and those that are not born again will go down to that awful place of uh, uh, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And you know, sometimes we think that people will get out of it or there will be something that will happen uh, that people will not suffer as, uh, uh, as severely as we think or something along those lines. We like to comfort ourselves. But we need to remember the basic gospel doctrines that there's only one way to heaven. And he said, the Lord Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And that puts an urgency upon our hearts to pray and to seek the face of God. But not only do we need to believe the basic gospel truths in order to pray right, but we need to remember that time is short. The Apostle Paul stated that fact in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 29. He said, But this I say, brethren, the time is short. And time is short. Of course, that's a self-evident truth. But again, we like to put our head in the sand at time and think that we have plenty of time. We have plenty of time to speak to our loved ones. We have plenty of time to pray for them. We have plenty of time... Uh, that they might get right with God. But we know that time is short. Time is slipping away. Opportunities are slipping away. We know what James said, but what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And we need to recognize that. We need to be taught to number our days that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom. And that wisdom will make us urgent. That wisdom will cause us to realize that an accident or an illness around the corner tomorrow may be the means of uh, ushering somebody out into eternity. The Bible speaks of now while it is uh, called today. 
Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so we need to remember that we need to use every opportunity. And that includes every opportunity to pray. Every opportunity to bring our loved ones and our friends and our neighbors before the throne of grace in prayer. We need to uh, recognize that we have a limited time. Uh, We have only a few years. Uh, We grow up and we come into maturity. And then uh, we soon decline at the end. And we recognize that the limbs become stiff and the faculties become a little bit more um, burdening. And we recognize that time is short. So we need the right belief. We need to recognize the truth of the gospel. We need to recognize that time is short. And that helps us as intercessors to pray. But not only do we need the right belief, but we need the right burden. Our Samuel said here, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. And you can see the importance, the burden that Samuel had for prayer. He had an importance placed upon it. He felt and knew that it was a sin if he would stop praying. He uh, felt it was an outrage that even anybody would think that he would stop praying for the people because he was so filled with the burden and the urgency and the need of the people that he was thinking about here. He was so filled with the love for his land and the love for his people that he felt it an outrage to even suggest that he would not pray for them. But we need a burden to pray. And we need that burden that comes from God alone. We recognize that uh, God gives the burden to pray. Now, it will uh, result in a heart of sympathy. It will result in an uh, an empathy towards those that are around us. But we recognize that if there's coldness in the heart, then the devil will exploit that and try to stop us praying. Prayer is hard enough. Prayer will be resisted by the devil in any case if we have a carelessness or if we become cold about the place of prayer, then we'll hardly pray at all. But we need a burden. Paul had a burden. You think of him in Romans 9 and 2, and he described his deep desire, his great heaviness, and continual sorrow in his heart for his people. In Romans 10 and 1, again he said, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, that they might be saved. His heart's desire, his deep concern, his real burden. He said in Romans 9 and 3, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now you think about that. That's a mighty uh, declaration. What a burden he had. He was willing to give up his own comfort and his own eternity for his kinsmen according to the flesh. It was said of the Lord Jesus that the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Now I wonder, do we have a zeal? A zeal there speaks of that which consumed him. It had eaten him up. It was something that uh, was his meat and drink day by day. It was his main motivation to glorify God, to serve his Father in heaven, to see the lost reached with the gospel of Christ, to see 
the lives of men and women relieved by the grace of God. But we need zeal. We need a burden. How many things can be overcome if we just have zeal, if we have a real deep-down burden. Um, J.C. Ryan wrote about uh, Bishop Latimer, the English reformer, and he said, well, Bishop Latimer maybe didn't just have the deep scholarship of uh, the other bishops that were put to the stake with him, Cranmer and Ridley. He didn't have the deep scholarship of those men. He couldn't quote the fathers and quote the uh, uh, theology the way that Cranmer and Ridley could. But yet Ryle said no English reformer had a greater impact on the nation than Latimer. He said that uh, the zeal that was in his heart was something that people could see and identify with. Again, you think of the Puritan uh, Richard Baxter, and it was said of him that he wouldn't have been like a no one, or he wouldn't have been like a mountain. These were men of great intellect. These were men of deep understanding, mountain and no one. Baxter wasn't just like that, but he said, uh, few men exercised so great an influence on his generation in which he lived. And what was the reason? Again, zeal, a burden. He went to um, Kidderminster, and when he went to Kidderminster, there was hardly a Christian in the town. But when he died and when he left Kidderminster, there was hardly a house uh, in the town where there was not Christians in it. Zeal. We need a burden. We need God's burden. And God gives that burden. God puts that burden upon our hearts. It's nothing we can work up. We've got to ask God for the burden. But the burden's going to be personal. It's got to be personal. We can't share the vision. Share the, well, we can share the vision, the burden. To some extent, um, our influence will rub off on others to that extent. But this has got to be something in our own hearts as we come to God. All that God would place within our hearts. You think of Nehemiah. And when he heard about the state of the walls of Jerusalem and the state of his native city, we read about the tears that he shed. I wonder how often, or do we, shed tears over those that are around us. This burden's got to be personal. But the burden will be deep. It is something that will be uh, right down deep in the heart. And it'll get deeper the more we draw near to God. God will give that deep burden within our souls. And there will be tears and they will be sincere. There will be a real longing in our hearts for the salvation of the lost. And then a burden will make us responsible. We'll feel that there's something that we need to do. We'll feel the need to pray. We'll feel the need to reach out. History, Christian biography, is filled with those who had a burden, a zeal. And those that made the impact for God are those that had that zeal. It says of the Lord in John 4 and 34, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. 
And that's what we need in these days. Uh, we read in Luke 8 about the Lord. He went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things, uh, or it's about the gathering demoniac, how great things the Lord had done for him. And we need that kind of enthusiasm and zeal in our hearts. So we need the right belief, and we need uh, the right burden. But then we need the right basics. Now, as we think about the uh, prayer that we pray, uh, pray to God, there's nothing complicated about prayer. It's just bringing our burdens to the Lord. However, when we pray for the lost, I think that there are things that we can keep in mind. We, prayer is simple in many ways. But on the other hand, we know that we can pray amiss. And we can pray uh, without belief, or we can pray uh, for things that we shouldn't pray for. So as we pray, we need to be scriptural, first of all. We need to make sure that what we're praying is according to what God wills. It says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we, if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now, how do we know what the will of the Lord is? Well, it's very simple how to know the will of the Lord. It's here in this book. And there are many things that we can certainly say are the will of the Lord. We can pray, for example, that the unsaved be exposed to a clear presentation of the gospel. We know that that's the will of God, that people come to hear the gospel. We read in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So it is the will of God to bring people unto the sound of the word of God that they might be saved. It says in verses 13 and 14 of the same passage, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him on whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So the primary prayer, the primary thing that we pray for is that people are brought under the sound of the preacher. Now, when I say preacher, that will include Sunday school teacher, children's worker. It'll include a mother or father who's speaking to their children in the family altar, whatever it is. But we are to bring them under the sound of the Word of God. Pray that God will bring the lost. There are multitudes out there, and they've never heard the gospel. And the first thing that we need to do is pray that people be brought under the sound of the Word of God. Pray then that the Holy Spirit will convict them when they do come. Because you know that many can come and sit under the sound of the Word of God and go away again, particularly in this day. But we read in John 16, verses 7 and 8, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So it is the work of the Holy Spirit to convict men, to bring them under the conviction of sin, to cause 
that emotional response within the heart. Oh, it may not be dramatic, but how we pray that the Holy Spirit will do that work of taking the word that is preached and applying it to the hearts of those that need to hear it. Then we know that it is the Lord's will that we pray for opportunities to spread the gospel. Invite people to come to church with you. Give out gospel tracts. Give out invitations. The Bible says in Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. But we need to have um, the scattering of the seed. We need to sow the seed, whether by wayside signs, whether by putting uh, leaflets into doors, knocking doors, speaking to people, open airs, whatever it is. We need to have opportunities, missions, opportunities to reach the lost. And then we need to pray for those that minister the word, for the preachers. We think of what Paul asked in 1 Thessalonians 3 and 1, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. Or in Ephesians 6, 18 and 19, he said, pray for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of God. So we know that those things are scriptural. We can pray uh, that people be brought under the sound of the gospel, that the Holy Spirit will convict them, that we'll have opportunities to spread the gospel, and we need to pray for those that minister the word. Those are things that we know uh, we can pray for because those are according to his will. But not only are we to be scriptural, we should be specific. We should um, be specific about those that we're bringing to the Lord in prayer. We can name them. Maybe even on your heart, you can name them. If you don't want to name them publicly, you can name them on your heart. Are, are, are there those that you have a burden for? Are there those on a list that you pray for? Don't be afraid to name people before God. We can be specific. But then we need to be steadfast. Don't give up. Second Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And the Lord is faithful, and we need to be faithful. Faithful over the lost. Don't give up in unbelief. Don't give up in discouragement. You might have been praying for a long time and many years, but keep on praying. We read uh, of Moses in Deuteronomy 9 and 18. And he said, And I fell down before the Lord, as at the first, forty days and forty nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water, because of all your sins which ye sinned in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Forty days, forty nights. But he kept at it, kept on praying. So we need the right belief, and we need the right burden, and we need the right basics. But one more thing, we will have the right blessing. Because if we pray in this manner, then God will give us the blessings that we need. It says in Isaiah 65 and verse 24, uh, these words speak of a future blessing, but they have uh, relevance. It says, And it shall come to pass 
Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. But even today, we can claim that promise. Luke 11, 9 and 10, it says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. God's a God who answers prayer. I was reading today about, or yesterday actually, about a man by the name of John Maxwell, and he wrote a um, book, Partners in Prayer. And he told the story about, in the summer of 1876, grasshoppers nearly destroyed the crops in Minnesota. So the next year, 1877, the farmers were worried about another plague, and they believed that the dreadful plague would come once again and destroy the rich wheat crop uh, and ruin uh, their livelihoods. So the governor of Minnesota, John Pillsbury, proclaimed April the 26th as a day of prayer and fasting. And he urged every man and woman and child to ask God to prevent this terrible scourge. So on the April day, the schools, the shops, the stores, uh, the offices were closed and the people of Minnesota gathered together to pray. The next day was bright and clear. The temperature soared, and it was uh, like almost like a midsummer day. And the Minnesotans were devastated because the heat brought thousands of uh, grasshopper or locust um, larvae wriggling to life. And three days, the unusual heat persisted, and it was bringing these larvae. They were hatching all over the place, and they thought that God had not answered prayer. But this unusual heat was unusual, and as happens sometimes in April, there was a frost straight afterwards. And the frost destroyed all of the grasshoppers and the locusts. And the creeping, crawling pests were destroyed in Minnesota. God answered their prayer. And the God who answered their prayer is still the God who answers prayer today. And we can look to him for his grace and mercy. But Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Oh, that we might be as faithful as Samuel in praying for the lost and those around us. Let's just bow, please, in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank Thee for the uh, place of prayer. We thank Thee we can bring our needs to Thee. And we particularly bring the needs of the lost to Thee tonight. We do thank Thee for the one who has come to Christ in recent days, and that encourages us to keep on praying. And our Father, we pray for those who have been under the sound of the Word of God over the past number of months, either in family and friends services, or in uh, the children's meeting, or in ordinary services sometimes. There have been those that have been in or other occasions. We thank Thee for bringing folks under the sound of the Word of God. And we thank Thee for speaking. We do thank Thee for speaking. 
But, O oh God, we recognize that we need the Holy Spirit of God to convince men of sin and righteousness and judgment. And we pray for the working of the Holy Spirit. We pray for opportunities to present the gospel. We pray for those that will present the gospel. We pray again for these missions that we've already prayed for earlier in the meeting. And our God, we'd ask thee that thou wouldst come in mighty power and bless and be with us. Help us, Lord, tonight to call upon thee, to seek thee in the face of prayer. And we pray for thy mighty blessing to be upon us. For it's in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen. Um, we'll get down to our time of uh, 